Michael Burry just predicted that the stock market is going to crash. And when Michael Burry speaks, people listen. I mean, he's literally the Batman of the stock market. The thing is, he's usually wrong. He has famously predicted at least nine of the last one market crashes. His big short in 2005 did pay off big time with the 2008 global financial crisis. But since then, every time he said that the market's going to crash or revealed a bearish bet or tweeted to sell, the market has gone up by a lot. We're going to go over those predictions today, and we're going to show you what nobody is really talking about, how a guy who's always betting against the stock market somehow still has hundreds of millions of dollars left. I mean, he will be right again someday. I mean, what's the saying? A, a broken clock is right twice a day. But this time, is it it? He seems to think so. He bet $1.6 billion on it. CNN Business reports, and I quote, Burry is using more than 90% of his portfolio to bet on a market downturn. I mean, that doesn't sound right. And today on Dumb Money, we're going to reveal the truth behind Michael Burry's stock market prediction. This is Dumb Money Live. Hey there, Dave here, along with Chris and Jordan. We are Dumb Money. Welcome to Dumb Money Live. We are back. We're all here. We're kicking off a new month with some really great shows. Uh, but because we've been gone for so long, we absolutely need your help this morning. We need to help wake up that almighty algorithm. Take a second, if you don't mind. If you're listening to the podcast right now, go to the show page, give us five stars, maybe write a review. It all helps us get the word out. Chris Jordan, it is great to see you guys again. This topic is so important because the, the real media is getting it wrong. I quoted CNN earlier, but it's not just them. I will say that Reuters uh, did publish a disclaimer and an explanation, and we're gonna talk about that. But can we just say what actually happened here? Yeah, Dave, I think, I think not everybody's wrong, but a lot of people are reporting this in a misleading fashion, because what Michael Burry did was revealed on one of his you know, uh, filings that he has to do with the SEC. As required by the SEC, exactly. And this filing showed that he was short a certain number of shares of both the SPY and the triple Q. So basically the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ uh, 100. Um, and the amount of shares that it showed that he was short, if you just did the quick math, it would be $1.6 billion. But it also was noted that these trades were done using puts. And so uh, what happens when you do puts is that you buy a put contract and that represents 100 shares of the underlying security that you've bought the puts on. And so there's the difference between the premium that you paid for these puts and the notional value. So he reported the notional value of these puts, which basically is 100 times the share price at the specific time that he, sh that he put this trade on. Now, he didn't pay nearly that. He didn't put $1.6 billion worth of money into this trade because he, he doesn't even in, have 1.6 billion dollars to play with that's that's probably correct right these um, amateur uh, investigators have been figuring it out is um i've heard estimates i think you guys think it's around 250 300 million dollars it's probably you know between that maybe five six hundred million it's somewhere in that ballpark so he couldn't do that if he tried but he can put on this really large options bet um that he probably paid you know from estimates that i've seen somewhere between 10 to $100 million to put this trade on, probably somewhere in the middle. But since we don't get strike, uh, the contract price, the expiration, we don't know exactly what he paid. We don't know if he's still in the trade or not. And so I yeah. think um, there's a lot of speculation around this trade. And it's really, I think a lot of people are pushing this headline number to push a narrative around. 
And that's exactly what happened yeah, across it. across all sorts of media. And then it got republished by, you know, once once CNN publishes something that goes out to, you know, Yahoo Finance and Daily Mail and all these other that just like pick up random headlines. Right. Yeah. So what's the damage? What What is what is like hearing this big stock predictor that everybody watched the Wolf of Wall Street and everybody knows that he he's like the Oracle of uh, disaster. What is what does that actually mean? And when when you see these stories, what does that make? What does that do to the market? His movie was The Big Short. By oh, the, the Big way. Short. I'm, the Big I'm, Short. Yeah. <laughs> but everyone watched that too, and they watched Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> Few things piss me off more than misleading or straight out inaccurate financial journalism, especially when that journalism has the potential to lose people money. Do you understand how many TikTokers, YouTubers, people on Twitter have reposted this story and talked about this story, how many tens of millions of retail investors around the world who have so much respect for Michael Burry because they saw that movie think that he actually made a $1.8 billion bet that he actually risked almost $2 billion of his fund's money to bet against the stock market, over 90% of his fund's value, which is being reported by CNN. I'm going to read it right now. Yeah, CNN actually says, Burry, ready for this? Burry is using more than 90% of his portfolio to bet on a market downturn. Do you have any idea how many retail investors might have seen that story or seen a TikTok or YouTube video now that are selling their stocks that are shorting the market to copy him. Based I mean, on even this, this morning, Chris, information. Even this morning, you texted saying, "Uh oh, we might have to change the show because CNN's reporting this." I'm like, "No, it's wrong." Well, it, it, it's wrong. But that's what I don't guys, understand. Do you think these people are trying to be, you know, deceptive in their stories, I think, or do you think no, they no, no? I think financial story. analysts just don't know what they're doing. Right. I, I, I'm going to tell you what happened. They're imbeciles. Okay. That's what happened. Most financial journalists, most financial media are imbeciles. That's exactly what happened. Okay. And the whole world and is a big echo chamber. You sent me this also this morning, Chris. This is, is about to collapse. And this man, Michael Burry, the guy who made $700 million shorting the housing market in 2008, warned each and every one of you. He is short the stock market $1.6 billion. I mean, there are thousands of videos and thousands of tweets saying the same exact thing. The damage that this is doing to retail investors is insane. How can they do that? How does a company, a media company as big as CNN, publish something like this? How does this get past their editors? Is there zero financial literacy left in the world? It's and it was published by insane. CNN Business. It, it was a business reporter. It was not. It was not just a general interest fluff piece story. It was a business reporter. And can we also talk about all of the times Michael Burry has called for a market crash and it's never happened? <laughs> because I think this is even more fascinating to me. I found this obviously on uh, Twitter. Let me see if I can pull up the file here. Uh, this is this is a. Graph of the stock market going back to 2015, back in December of 2015, when he predicted the stock market would crash within the next few months, he said the, the S&P went up 11% in the next 12 months. Then May of 2017, he uh, predicted a global financial meltdown. 
S&P went up 19% the next 12 months. Then September of 2019, he predicted that it's going to crash again due to a bubble in index ETFs up 15% the next 12 months. Then he he really timed that uh, the 2020 crash well. He he revealed a massive bearish position in March. Well, we, we know that market went up 72% the next 12 months there. Then February of 2021, predicting that it was going to crash because of a speculative bubble. He shorted Tesla. S&P was up 16% the next 12 months. Then September 2022, last year, he predicted that the stock, uh, it was going, he warned of more failures and the bottom has not yet hit. Of course, we went up 21% in the next 11 months. And then uh, January of this year, predicting the recession and a new round of inflation and saying he tweeted to sell. We went up 17% year to date. Uh, then last month, he revealed his $1.6 billion short position. Uh, what is, is, Dave, is, is, Dave, is I, I, even Does it even matter anymore? Dave, I used to have so much respect for Michael Burry. What he did during the 2008 mortgage crisis, not only identifying that trade, but having the confidence to actually wait it out for years. that much money. He is to be commended for that. The guy is really smart. Here's the problem. It got to his head. I think the movie probably got to his head. But more than anything else, that trade that he is famous for had a very specific financial instrument. One financial instrument that he was able to nail, right, that, that was related to those bad mortgages. Now he is trying to one-up himself because when you manage a hedge fund, in his case, a quarter of a billion dollar hedge fund, he wants to get a big win. He wants to double that fund. He wants to triple that fund because he's had so much success in the past. Yep. The actual world's view of him is so high that he's trying to now meet their expectation and do it again. And the only way that he can do that is by calling a a macro pick correctly. He needs to be able to make a big macro trade. Well, here's the problem. Almost nobody, I'm not even sure if anybody in the history of the stock market, in fact, I'm sure that nobody in the history of the stock market has been able to regularly, correctly pick macro events and trade them. If you were, you would be a trillionaire, not a billionaire. And he is trying to do the impossible by picking these macro events correctly. And most of the time, he has been wrong over the past 15 years. And, and the it's only not way he can, because he's a bad trader. It's because no. he's trying to do the impossible. You just can't do it. You can't and the only way it. he can win is by doing these outsized, highly leveraged plays so that he can get it wrong 10 times and on the 11th time get it right and be able to pay for all of his losses and then some. That's that's his whole strategy is I'm going to keep predicting the bad and I'm going to keep making these bets because one of them is going to finally pay off. I still think he's really smart. I still think he sees things as they are. The problem is trying to assess how the market and the timing of when the market will react to the things that he knows are true is an impossible game to play. Well, I'm, and, I was going to say that's the problem, right? I mean, it's, the global macro is very complicated and you don't really understand, at least I don't really understand every little thing that happens, how it's going to affect the market in general. I think it's a lot easier to isolate a specific stock or a few specific securities, but to say the market in general is going to react 
in XYZ way, I think is a very difficult call to make because it has more to do with positioning and all these different things that you can't really control. And so I, don't, Jordan, I, don't, I, I think need... it's kind of a fool's errand to sit there and, and, and try to predict where the market's going to go. You're correct, Jordan. And maybe one of the biggest lessons I've ever learned in my investment life of over the past 30 years was <laughs> not to ever try to time macro events, right? Outside of you know, COVID back in 2020, uh, when I actually, again, it was, it was super, it was one specific thing that was going to drive the market. That's the only time in my, in the last 20 plus years, I've ever felt confident about making a really big macro bet on the stock market. And, and that was, just that was a very deal. unique situation because you were basically playing the SPY as if it were a single stock because you knew that this one stock, which happens to be the basket of every stock in the world, is going to be affected in the same way. And this trigger event is either going to cause it to go up or down more, right? And that was basically, you're, you're using social arbitrage on, or just arbitrage in general but, on like what is going to happen next but and Dave, is the market it, going to keep going down but dave i had the confidence because you could assess what the timeline would be for a virus to spread from here to here within a matter of days or a couple of weeks right the timeline for trying to assess when this massive economic Thing is going to truly impact the market. It's an impossibility. You yeah. could be years off. You could and that's be why a decade picking off. the bottom a in decade. March was impossible. Nobody could really isolate the bottom. Uh, it seems at the time that the the uh, retail investors on Robinhood did a better job than the analysts on Wall Street at picking that bottom and saying, "Well, we know the market's not going to keep going down forever." They don't. Maybe it's their their. Uh, naivety that made them think, oh, well, the market can't always go down. I've only seen it go up, so I'm going to buy in. And it, then it did turn around. Can we get back for a second to just the, the impact of terrible financial journalism, the irresponsibility of it? I, I have this story when I, Dave, do you remember when I was like, I don't know, 20 years old, and I had that internship at the largest advertising agency in the state of Texas, and I got to sit in on one big like creative meeting with all of the executives from the agency when they were discussing a new campaign for one of their largest clients, and the campaign just happened to revolve around a stock split. And I like, I was like in the middle, I was like, oh, they're talking my language now, right? So <laughs> the head of creative for this agency got up and pitched this idea and it was like stock split. And then all these people started celebrating in, in, in this advertisement, right? This TV commercial because the stock had split. So they had made all this so money. It just doubled. And I... <laughs> I stood up in that meeting as a 20-year-old intern and I was like, you can't do that. You can't do that because a stock split is a neutral event. It's actually not a positive event. Nobody makes money. This guy literally said, get in the hallway. He went out in the hallway. He grabbed me by my shirt and said, if you ever open your mouth up again in this agency, you will be gone. How dare you? And I was like, 
but I'm right. What are you talking about? You're going to make an ass of yourself, dude. I'll never forget that. And it's just like, I hate when it comes to finance, when it comes to like, we will spend all this time educating ourselves on stuff that doesn't matter. This stuff actually could cost families real money, right? Because they might be calling their broker after seeing these news articles all around the world going, I saw that movie, this guy's smart. Can you sell my stocks? Can you like, I don't want to be that long. And by the way, Michael Burry might be right, but he didn't invest $2 billion. He didn't invest 90% of his portfolio. And that's what everybody, that's what the common person thinks. And most people are not going to see this episode or see the handful of articles that smart people have come out to try to wrong, to write this information. It sucks. It pisses me off. And we're dumb money, right? But yet we're the ones out here telling people what's correct. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Leave it to the YouTubers. We're the only ones. We're the we're the only hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, by the way, guys, I do want to say really quick, dude, I we got like four or five kind of semi-hot social arb trades that are in the cooker right now. Uh, I haven't even talked to Jordan and Dave, but if there is any way that we can do one more episode this later this week, I would love to do it, guys. Let's yeah. if, if you can, Dave, yeah, if you can, it. Jordan. All right, we're going to try to do like, I know this is like not our normal social art episode. We're going to try to do one episode a week that's more, I don't know, not about a trade, but just a learn. I don't know. Well, there's, like there's not always a trade. And I think there's a lot of information that we've learned through the years that might help someone else. Just hearing our stories, hearing the, our biggest failures, you know, whatever, whatever it is. I think that there's value in that. We we are going to start. I would love to start that next week. By the way, our worst mis- the worst mistakes we we've ever made in the stock market. I could think of like twelve right now that are so massive that I've learned so much from that I just want to share them with the community because, dude, why would you want to lose all your? I mean, you know how much money I've lost on those mistakes, Dave. You, I know you could think of one where I lost exactly three quarters of a million dollars a few years ago. <laughs> And you lost a bunch of money too. I'm like, why would our audience, why would you followers need to lose all that? Because you will lose that money, your version of it, if you make these mistakes. We have learned the hard way, 30 years, 30 years of making so many mistakes. We want to share all those mistakes with you guys. Um, So we'll start that series maybe next week. Yeah, and this is your invitation. If you're not a subscriber already, get us up to that 100,000 mark. We need another trophy. Subscribe. On YouTube, that's our primary uh, channel. If you're, if you happen to be a more of a X user, you can uh, follow us there. We we live stream there. We uh, are also on Facebook. We're also on a podcast. You can find us however you consume media. That's where you can find us. So if you if you just stumbled upon this video as a short and like would like to see the longer version of it, it exists. I, I think mistake number one is ever thinking about the macro market. Like, I'm telling you, just stop. Just stop. Stop thinking. I, I have this talk. Yeah, with the only thing the is you have to kind of hedge your, your individual stock trades if there's some major macro event going on. If the market is hey, just do down, that. down, 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 you may not want to be in, you know, betting that one random stock is going to do well on earnings. Because even if it does, even if it blows out earnings, they may not be able to overcome a macro situation. 
But as an individual investor, if you're trying to beat the market, because let's be honest, if you just want to like match the market, you throw all your money and but in an S you know, S and P, right? And you just match. Yeah. If you're trying to beat the market, I don't think the way to beat the market is to overthink macro. It's to try to get individual, right? It's trading stock opportunities correct, even if it's one or two a year, three a year. That's all you have to do. We're not financial advisors, guys. We're just sharing our opinions on how we trade and how we invest. Um, there are, a f I'm going to say right now, there are a couple hot things going on in the Dumb Money Discord, in the trade research channel of the Dumb Money Discord. So it's totally free. It's like dumbmoney.tv forward slash Discord if you're watching this. Uh, I'm going to, at least one of those things is one of the trades I'm working on right now, maybe two. I'm kind of excited about them. So, you know, we'll talk about that hopefully later this week. But guys, it's so hard to even get an individual stock trade right. Could you like trade in the macro market like Burry's trying to do, man? I wish him the best of luck. That's a smart dude. He 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 he's smart. If he would just stop trying to like one up himself and just stick with could you imagine if he was just focused on individual? I would not want to go against him even if he was just me and him going on individual trades. Like he's deep. He does what I do. I know that he's up till 4 a.m. five nights a week going all in on research. The difference is I'm doing that with like a couple stocks. He's trying to do that with the whole damn world. I'm like, dude, you can't. You just can't. Right? No. Anyway. Nobody can. So we uh, we have, but, a, but he will be right a, again. You know he's going to be right at some point because he he keeps predicting that the market's going to crash. At some point, it will. Okay, we have a lunch, Jordan and Dave, like in yeah. thirty minutes with like executives from Nvidia, with John John Carmack, who is one of the most iconic video game developers of all time. Quake, Doom, uh, literally, it starts in twenty seven minutes, guys. Jordan, yeah, you I'm live more than twenty seven minutes away. <laughs> And well, that's going to do it for this one. Thanks library. so much for we watching. We, we literally have to run. We're done money. <laughs> we will see you back here later this week.